This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Pat Castle, founder of Life Runners, talks about his encounter with Padre Pio that formed this ministry. is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Ken Billinger. We're going to welcome in our guests here. Dr. Pat Castle is the founder of Life Runners, the largest pro-life team in the world with over 14,500 teammates ages 0.1 to (laughs) 101 in 39 nations and over 2,500 cities. Pat's an inspiring and unifying force for pro-life through faith, activism, courts, education, and he received the 2020 Springtime Foundation Christian Unity Award and was part of the movie Unplanned. Pat encountered St. Padre Pio during a Pikes Peak Ascent, co-founded our Law of Life Summit and Across America Relay. Pat served as the NetCare Pregnancy Help Center Chairman and is the Research Advisor for Sidewalk Advocates. He has completed uh, the Notre Dame uh, Vitae Institute and is a fourth-degree knight, graduate of the Air Force Academy, earned a Ph.D. in nanoanalytical chemistry from the University of Illinois at Urbana, and is a board member of the Institution for a Theological Encounter with Science and Technology. He's done 10 military ex- assignments, including weapons of mass destruction defense officer at the base closest to Osama bin Laden on September 11th, brief generals and members of Congress, while and while in the Air Force Academy, uh, was a chemistry professor. Pat developed the ethics curriculum and coached the marathon team there. He has raced 22 marathons highlighted by the Marine Corps and Boston Marathon, Pikes Peak, uh, the Great Wall, and since retiring as a medical squadron commander, served as a chemistry teacher and then an industry executive and now speaks across America. And Pat and his family live in Nebraska. And we're out of time. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Pat. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. What a, what a beautiful morning. And, you know, when you got the wind uh, blowing across Kansas, we can just hope uh, uh, that this means winds of change in all of our lives. You know, we just we, we open up in the spirit of conversion. We turn that first to us, and with that divine mercy, we allow that just to kind of flow into our own selves as we reflect. And everybody, it's just great to meet you. Um, wherever you're at, uh, I don't know how much time you have this morning, if you're driving somewhere, if you're listening while you're walking or running, but I'm going to give you the best news about Life Runners, and that is running's optional. So maybe you'll listen a little bit more about what the Life Runners Apostolate is, knowing it. Yeah. So running we're, optional. Yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna talk more about that. You gained some new members last night at dinner. We so, did, so. including you, Ken. Yeah. So how about it? And I <laughs> yeah. did, and I did bring your jersey. Oh, cool. Uh, and, right. and I appreciate whether you're you're running from a bear or walking through the grocery store, <laughs> and it says "Remember the Unborn." And and I like it when you're. Uh, you know, moving slow enough for people to to read it, and that, that was a good selling point for you. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> and that would be me walking through the grocery store. So, although I have run a 5K, but very good. Uh, it's been a while, yeah. a few years, but um, witness yeah. with fitness. Yeah. So the other, you know, I mean, this is we're going to talk more about the Life Runners. It's a great, uh, a great ministry. It really is, and we're going to talk about that, and also talk about. Uh, your devotion to St. Padre Pio as well. Yes. Did you want to start with the with Yeah, prayer? I'd like to open us in prayer. And again, for you know those listening in, depending on how much time you have, the Life Runners Creed, if you're, if you're on a smartphone or at your desk at a computer, you can go to liferunners.org slash creed, 
and you can pray along or you can reference this prayer uh, that we're going we're gonna to have right now. And it really gives you the essence of who the life runners are. And so as we're praying this, I want you to imagine that life runners are nearly 15,000 strong in over 2,500 cities around the world across 39 nations. And we're all in Christ for pro-life. And we'll talk about some of the practical elements of the postulate, what we do, how we do it. But this is the chrism uh, that is really highlighted well in this prayer that we call the Life Runners Creed. So we begin in the name of the Father, Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. We believe in the, the dignity, dignity of all human life, life from, from conception, conception to natural, natural death. death. We, we run, run as a prayer to be, defend, defend children in the womb so that they may be born and united with our Christian community. We run to build endurance, for the race is long, we must keep our eyes fixed on you, Lord. We run for awareness, so our culture will view all human life as a reflection of your glory, Lord. We run for charity, to provide support for mothers and fathers tempted to abort their child, and healing support for post-abortion women, men, and families. We run to end abortion, for Christ died so that all may live, Guard us all, born and unborn, with your peace, Lord. For in you life is victorious. We pray and run in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Padre Pio, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, yes, St. Padre Pio has a special place with the Life Runners Apostolate. So we're going to talk about that. You have uh, a special devotion, obviously, to Padre Pio. And so let's – what was – did you have a devotion before you encountered him? I knew who St. Padre Pio was with him being a, a, a modern saint. And I suppose, you know, as a child, it had been very apropos to – a child today knowing who Mother Teresa is or St. John Paul II. And so growing up in a Catholic family, certainly I knew who Padre Pio was. The extent of, of knowing him is what he's most famous for, is he's the only priest to have documented, uh, to have the stigmata, the five wounds of Christ. And actually, we'll see how far we get in this hour talking about Padre Pio, but just to put a little sneak fun fact in for everyone listening, there actually is a sixth wound. And some of the saints talk about Christ's sixth wound, and that Mm -hmm. is his shoulder wound. And Padre Pio also had the sixth wound. He had the shoulder wound, which is a really interesting story about Padre Pio. So, Ken, maybe you cue that as we go to talk about Pio's sixth wound. Well, you know, Padre Pio, and this is in my Magnificat, because I pray this prayer after receiving communion. I think it's a a beautiful prayer to to follow up communion, and it's it's a great so that's something that's with me. I haven't memorized it yet. I need to. I recently found that prayer, and it's, that is a beautiful prayer. It's hard prayer. to find. It is. Like, because I found it, and we, f- we found it, and then, you know, laminated some cards because it's really hard to find. So my wife and I, we both pray that after, after communion. So, and yeah, so, to answer your question, I, when, when I had this encounter with St. Pio, I would not say that I had a devotion to him. I just knew who he was. Didn't even know that much about him other than that he carried the wounds of Christ. The only priest, mm-hmm. St. Francis of Assisi, was a deacon, just to kind right. of remind everyone. Right. It's like, hey, wait a minute, how about St. Francis? He was a deacon, he wasn't a priest. Great point. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the encounter I had with him was in Colorado Springs on a mountain called Pikes Peak. It was near the end of a race called the Pikes Peak Ascent in 2006. 
and I had a goal to break three hours on the ascent. So maybe some listeners, you know, we're in, we're in reach of Colorado Springs here in Kansas. So I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people listening have been to Pikes Peak. Sure, they can visualize. <laughs> This story, and they probably took a train or an automobile up the mountain. I trained to run up the mountain, so I spent a summer training when I was a professor at the Air Force Academy, and prepared to do this race. And I had a goal, and that goal is to break three hours on the mountain, and about 50 people out of the 2,000 do that. So you got to uh, be in decent shape yeah. and spend a lot of time out there. And a lot of time on the mountain meant a lot of prayer on the mountain. So just like in scripture where mountains have really significant roles, um, you know, just that mountaintop experience, just reaching out and touching the hand of God, this story is similar. I mean, it happens at the top of a mountain. And during this race and with this goal, near the top of the mountain, it was all fogged in. So you can picture, so you're looking up, you imagine looking up at a mountain, and the top of the mountain is all fogged in. And at the top of the mountain, when reaching for this goal, breaking three hours, um, I wasn't able to see a lot of the milestones. So the milestones meaning I have to be at this turn at this time, I have to be at this big rock at this time, because it was all fogged in. And so in essence, I was lost near the end of this race and approaching uh, this goal of breaking three hours. And I offered up six prayers in the story. The, the opening prayer that morning was a prayer of gratitude for such a perfect day. The second prayer is all the way up the mountain, 10 minutes from the finish, so we're probably talking 13,000 feet, where when I realized I was lost, it was a, a prayer of, Lord, um, I, I need some help here. Like, I've been training all summer, praying with you on this mountain, hours, and now I can't see the milestones that I need. So in that prayer, I just said, Lord, help me. And I looked at my watch, and my watch said two hours and 50 minutes. So, you know, I'm close. I'm 10 minutes from the top. And a, and a clear voice right off of my shoulder on the side of a mountain said, we are 10 minutes from the top, and we're going to break three hours. And I remember it was so peculiar for three reasons. Number one, the person was so close to me. When you're running on a mountain trail at the top of a mountain, People are giving each other space because it is a drop-off on this trail mm-hmm. up there. It is, yeah, moon rock. You know, no trees up there. You're above tree line. Tree line's 11,000 feet. This mm-hmm. point in the story, we're at 13,000. The second thing is I remember thinking, wow, he sounds so good, this guy. Like, why doesn't he go around? You know, why doesn't he ask me to go to pass on this trail? And he didn't. It was very encouraging. And so, you know, I, I pressed on with encouragement. The third prayer was five minutes. At five minutes, you know, from the goal, I remember thinking, wow, you know, uh, I can hear people at the finish line. I can hear the cheering going on, but still a thick fog. Could not see, you know, uh, don't walk by sight, walk by faith, as we know in in our faith lives. And so the third prayer was a surrender prayer. I said, Lord, I don't know where I'm at, but if this is not your will, this goal, if there's something not in your will, I surrender it to you. But I did a dot, 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 nice pregnant pause. But Lord, you know (laughs) that if we do break three hours, I'm going to proclaim your glory from the top of this mountain. And right on cue, I look at my watch, 2.55, half a second later, same still strong voice. We're five minutes from the top. We're going to break three hours. Fourth prayer, I can see the finish line. 
I look up, and if we were in a gymnasium, if you could look up to the top of a gymnasium and imagine three switchbacks. So it's steep. You look, switchback one, two, three, finish. And I look up, and I can see the finish line through the fog, and I looked at my watch. My watch said 2.59. And the fourth prayer was, come Holy Spirit, carry me forth, because I didn't think it was possible. I trained at the top of the mountain. I didn't think it was possible in one minute to make this distance that I had to go. And so I have no memory of this minute. All the details of this minute of the story were told to me from people, bystanders, that saw this. But I raced across a boulder field. So those that have been at the top of the mountain, the, the last section of the mountain is called the 16 Golden Stairs. It's a boulder field. It's more like climbing over mm-hmm. versus running on a path. And I ran over a boulder field, no memory of it, uh, people said they saw nobody else run over it that day. So here's this out-of-body experience, this extraordinary experience, uh, an extraordinary physiological experience. Someone at the top of a 14,000-foot mountain running. Most people have a hard time walking up there mm-hmm. with the, the air. Those that are listening and have been up there. Getting out of your car is hard. Out of your, mm-hmm. Opening your car door is hard up there, let alone running. So. Um, the next thing I remember is I can see the finish line and the clock next to the finish line said 259.49. I came across the finish line, 259.51, and we got two prayers to go. So prayer number five is my mom asked me to call her to let her know I'd be safe at the top. So I asked someone for a phone. I just finished this race. I'd collapsed at the finish line. I'd put my arm around someone. They collapsed. I went down with them. A journalist saw the finish, asked me for a statement, and I told her, hey, a minute ago, I prayed, come Holy Spirit, carry me forth, and here I am. The next morning, instead of the winner's pitcher, in circulation, 430,000 newspaper uh, Gazette News through the Colorado Springs area, 430,000 was the circulation in 2006. They didn't have the winner's picture. They had me collapse at the finish line with a quote right under the caption. Major Pat Castle, United States Air Force Academy chemistry professor, made his goal by 10 seconds. And he prayed, come Holy Spirit, carry me forth. They put that, everyone got to read that. So like that third prayer, I said, Lord, you know I'm gonna proclaim your name from the top of this mountain. He gave me that opportunity. Everyone got to see that praise and that credit and glory to God. So I make that phone call to my mom, and my mom says this to me. Pat, before you tell me anything about the race, did anything unusual happen at two hours and 50 minutes into the race? That's her opening comment to me. And this, mind you, this is only 10 or 11 minutes removed. This just, I've just finished. I found a phone within three or four minutes of finishing. And I said, yes, why? She said, well, I had a strong sense that you were in trouble. Something was wrong at two hours and 50 minutes. So I asked St. Padre Pio to finish the race with you. And so I had to resolve that, this guy behind me, and you might've thought, well, Pat, you put it all together like, wow, you know, you had an experience with St. Padre Pio. Uh Uh-uh, a little bit harder headed. I went home, I didn't tell anyone about it because I wanted to see who was behind me. I opened the newspaper the next morning and there was no one behind me for nearly two minutes, a minute and 47 seconds. So I walked out my house, and I walked down the street and I timed a minute 47 seconds walking, not running. I was running up there. And I turned around and I was nearly two blocks away from my house. And I realized there's no way that it's this guy in the newspaper. 
because he was with me five minutes before the finish, right next to me, sounding great. And so I had to resolve that I had an encounter with a saint that answered a prayer. And we know St. Pio is the kind of guy that has quotes like this, Lord, please don't allow me into the kingdom until I've had a chance to help all my friends enter the kingdom first. So a lot of people that have a devotion to St. Pio firmly believe that God has granted him his prayer. And St. Pio continues to help people on this side of heaven. Um, So many stories. If you haven't studied St. Pio, fascinating stories. His bilocation, him diverting military aircraft in World War II. Um, Just so many wonderful stories. Prayer number six. We're prayer number six. So as the founder, as the Life Runners apostolate, the largest pro-life team in the world, there's 15,000 of us, I always say the sixth prayer is carrying your cross. Remember I mentioned a little bit ago, wound six was the wound of carrying the cross. We'll put on a shirt that has a cross on the front, like we talked about last night, Ken, Mm -hmm. to pick up your cross and follow Christ. You literally, when you become a life runner, you don't have to run. Remember the best news in the morning was running optional. (laughs) And we love us. We love those slow life runners because you can read their jersey that on the back says, remember the unborn. And we know that scripture says, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. And then it has a Holy Spirit dove on the front of that jersey and also has a reference to Jeremiah 1.5 on the jersey that God knew us even before we were in our mother's wounds. Mm -hmm. So what a great way to do exactly what Christ commanded us to do his last thing he said to all of us before he left and you know after he rose after he uh, ascended to heaven the last thing he said in scripture go forth and make disciples of all nations so that shirt that jersey affords us to do exactly that with the conversations and that was my encounter with saint wow that's an incredible story we had a chance to talk with pat and and bernadette is here as well and uh she's she shared with us she now how i'm going to jump in i'm going to put bernadette on the spot for a minute um how you've been involved with life runners how long now um i've been involved for about two years okay okay the one of the things that I guess I can certainly say is, Pat, your um, enthusiasm, your passion about this—it's it's incredible. It's it's infectious, and this has been a movement that that has started. And and how many years now has Life Runners been around? Yeah. So that encounter, that story that we just shared was 2006, <clears throat> August 2006, and after that, uh, that inspired the formation of a men's Bible study, and we studied evil using a book called Unbound by Neil Lozano. Mm-hmm. And we studied that for six months, a weekly Bible study, meeting in a coffee shop, seven or eight men, you know, and, and at the end of that six months, we said, okay, we've studied evil, what's the greatest evil? And we identified abortion as the crown jewel of Satan, that there was nothing that Satan wanted more than abortion, because it snuffs out God's greatest gift, which is our very lives. So we defended life from conception and natural death by way of spending one day we would go uh, stand in prayer outside of our local abortion facility. And one day of the month, we'd go to a local nursing home and we'd defend life from conception and natural death, respecting life. And that was in 2006, 2007. And then that group of men, we started a, devo- a pro-life devotions group based on the daily mass readings. So me and Rich Reich, we were both chemistry professors. We would exchange these devotions. We built up a group of 300 people that were reading them. 
we developed a website, and from that group of 300 people reading these daily devotions, pro-life devotions, we said, hey, let's go raise some money for ultrasound equipment for our local pregnancy help center. And that was 12 October 2008, the Chicago Marathon. 12 of us, good number to start an apostolate <laughs> out of that group of 300. Wow. And as they say, the rest is God's history. Wow. That's an incredible story now. Um, and Life Runners is continuing to grow. It grew is. last night, for, for example. And grows really around, not only around the country, but around the world because you are yeah. in, in so many different countries. Um, it's just the, the numbers are really amazing. And what has been, I mean, your growth obviously is, is, is as, as the numbers get bigger now, which they have been, I think then you're going to really continue to see more growth. But you talked about uh, you're in Omaha, Nebraska, for example. You talked about uh, one particular town in Nebraska, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, West Point, Nebraska. And, and for an Air Force Academy grad, <laughs> you know how painful it is to highlight <laughs> where the most life runners in the world are in a town called West Point? Because, of course, that's the Army Academy. Right, right. So for an Air Force Academy grad, God has just got to be smiling that I've got to highlight a town called West Point. But West Point, Nebraska is a town of 3,300 people, and they have over 600 life runners in a town of 3,300. Wow. And the drumbeat for our postulate is that all life runners, and you'll get a, an email and a text message each month, Ken, on the first Tuesday of the month, you'll be reminded to set your Life Runners Remember the Unborn shirt out to wear on the first Wednesday of the month. So imagine if you lived in West Point, Nebraska, and what it must look like on the first Wednesday of the month. A lot of blue and white. When 600 plus <laughs> people have been reminded to put that shirt on on that day in a town of 3,300. Yeah. It must be fantastic. I'm sure you drive down the street and go, oh, it must be Wednesday. <laughs> it must be the first Wednesday of the month. So, yeah, there are such towns. There's also Jefferson City, Missouri, a town of 43,000. There's over 1,100 life runners. Wow. Omaha, a little bit bigger town, over 400,000. But there's 1,500 life runners in that town. There's 2,600 life runners in Nebraska. And, you know, Kansas is, is a very strategically located state for the life runners of postulate because it's along the Across America Relay. The Across America Relay is the largest spanning pro-life event in the world. It kicks off on the 4th of July each summer at the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, the Brooklyn Bridge in New York City, St. Michael the Archangel Parish in Grand Forks, North Dakota, and San Fernando Cathedral in San Antonio, Texas. And it moves for 40 days over 5,300 miles in 5K segments, walking or running. You crawl, you can push a stroller, you can skip. You can do it on the course, or you can do it remotely separated in your own neighborhood. For example, on the island of Fiji, there's over 500 life runners, led by one of our board members, Karen Patnod, who moved from Rapid City, where she led the life runners chapter, and her husband got a flying job, flies between the islands, and she developed and grew up in a very grassroots, very Acts of the Apostles way, over 500 life runners that meet every Saturday morning on the island of Fiji, wow. and they adopt the state of Utah. So there's these four arms, they take all the 5K segments each year across the state of Utah, and they do them on the island of Fiji. Wow. So if you know people that aren't along the route, they can participate 
remotely in their own neighborhoods. But my goodness, if you're listening in the state of Kansas, the course goes, the West Arm goes right across the state of Kansas the first week of August. So you could literally go put boots on the ground, shoes on the ground, on the course, which is really cool. You can run it as it's scheduled if you're here in Kansas to be part of that. So share that with people. Remember, running optional. You go walk 3.1 miles and you can do it in a flexible way with your schedule too. So that's neat to know that's coming up in the next few months. Absolutely. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. We'll be right back with more about the encounter with Padre Pio and how Life Runners was formed with Pat Castle. One body. We're back on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. One body. Pat Castle. One body, stewarding God's creation. Encounter with Padre Pio, how Life Runners was formed. Ken Billinger conducts the interview. We're talking with Pat Castle and also Bernadette joining us from Life Runners. And we're talking about, obviously, St. Padre Pio, talking about the Life Runners. I, I do want to do a shout out here because I know we have some Life Runners listening this mm-hmm. morning. They were going to listen to the interview. And they've been, I don't know how long they've been Life Runners, but Stephen Donnelly Maurer in Overland Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know they were, I showed you their picture last yeah. night. And they were so excited that... We were having dinner. Yeah, Yeah. and and the relay finishes. Now that you mentioned that, thanks for bringing that up, Ken. That that 40-day journey starts on the 4th of July. It finishes August 9th in Kansas City in Overland Park, Kansas. And to have those forearms come together with a really nice weekend event that that folks can read about and, and sign up for those relay legs now. Registration's open for that. And they can look at that at liferunners.org slash across, as in across America. And if you're unworthy, across comes from across. We make across yeah. America with those four arms. Beautiful. And so, yeah, I do want to give, give them a shout out and talk about as far as some of the events that are happening there. I mean, once once everybody's converged on Overland yeah. Park, can you share a little bit about what's yeah, going to happen? Absolutely. There? So, for example, last year, and we'll do this again this year, uh, we kick it off with a Saturday evening mass, Archbishop Nauman, who's a life runner. He's, he's one of 18 life runner bishops in the world. Uh, and he's a fantastic life runner because if you've ever seen him or met him, he is tall, his shoulders are wide, <laughs> he right. is a billboard yes, for life he <laughs> when he's wearing a Remember the Unborn shirt. Yeah. Uh, and the speed that he moves at, you can meditate on the message. <laughs> he is like one of the best life runners in the world. And that makes him smile, by the way. Yeah. He is happy yeah. Yeah. about that. Although he did say that he did want to challenge another life runner bishop, Cardinal Dolan one of his classmates to a 100-meter dash, and he thinks he can beat him. He thinks he can take Dolan. So I we, like your idea. We talked about this last night is doing it. Even if they couldn't do it together, you could just do it and time it, right? And so right. You, yeah, and you, just do it virtually. They can just set it up. They can tape it, get the time, you know, I go after Usain Bolt's record, see how they do on that. And, uh, you know, the slower the better. People will be able to read that jersey. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So the finish line, it starts with a Saturday night mass. Uh, and then we have a meal 
Uh, and then the next morning we get up and we have a, another, a Sunday morning mass. So if people are traveling in, maybe they can make the Saturday night, maybe they make both of the masses. So another parish will do a Sunday morning. Um, we'll gather, we'll have a breakfast, and we'll go launch for a few hours of finishing up those final legs coming from the north, coming from the west, the east, and the south. And then we have a big picnic and music in the park at Row Park in Overland Park, mm-hmm. which is interesting enough, Row Park, and here we are, Roe v. Wade, trying to make mm-hmm. it irrelevant. It's not the same row, but right. still, it's all right. God's stuff. He must just smile at those coincidences. Yeah. I think not. And that Row Park is just a few blocks from the big Overland Park Planned Parenthood. Right. And so we do a witness there as well. And it is a nice, powerful you know, united pro-life effort right here within listeners' range. So as far as mass goes, is it done at one of the parishes then? It is, and we, and we rotate it. And you can look at those details for the schedule at liferunners.org slash across to okay. see which parishes are participating. Okay. One interesting note, I'll just make, uh, you may not, probably not aware of this, but just down the street here, uh, a few doors down is Catholic Charities, mm. which was once Planned Parenthood. Oh, beautiful. Aww. Don't you love it? when God takes Satan's poop and turns it into our fertilizer. He's like, I'll go ahead and even use your junk and I'll grow something out of it. Yeah. God's good. Yeah, he uses awesome. everything to his glory. That's awesome. Amen. That's awesome. I guess one of the things that we hear from Padre Pio is pray, hope, and don't worry. Yeah. And how, maybe some practical ways to help people to practice this. And especially in times you know, like, like we're in now, there's a, it seems like there's a lot of worry, but what would be your yeah. suggestion? So, of course, worry is, is in conflict with faith. Uh, we know that worry is associated with fear, and then the devil can exploit that. He can exploit our fears, certainly exploits uh, any tendencies of pride. Those are his two entrances to be diabolic, to separate. Well, life runners, <laughs> we unite, uh, and it, which is a chrism of the spirit to bring the body of Christ together, many parts but one body. We have ages 0.1 to 101. So little babies in onesies that say, remember the unborn, that are official life runners signed up by their mom and dad. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the course record for signing up a life runner is two minutes and 33 seconds after birth. And we had a teenager say, hey, I signed my new little brother, baby brother up for life runners. And it was two minutes and 33 seconds. Is that the course record? And I emailed back and said, it is now. So we actually know what the, so if you're out there listening, you're getting ready to have a baby, tee up your liferunners.org sign up and have it all ready to go <laughs> on the birthday yeah. and, and set a course record. But you know, when you think about life runners uniting and pray, hope, and don't worry, yeah, I think sometimes people worry uh, in a holy way from the standpoint of, I worry that I'm not able to do anything to end abortion. I worry that I'm not doing enough. I worry that you know there's something I should be doing that I'm not doing. Well, enter Life Runners. I hope that you feel compelled, listeners. Remember, our teammates are ages 0.1 to 101, and if you're 102, we'd love to expand that range. <laughs> Everyone is fully qualified to be a Life Runner. We've got to wear something. Why not wear our witness? And I keep saying it, but sometimes it's hard to hear. I know our postulate is called Life Runners, but running is optional. Of those 15,000, half of those Life Runners never run. Mm. Half of them are willing to run (laughs) as needed. Um, Some of them, some, like to run. So to not worry if you're doing enough or should, what else you should be doing, how about put on a shirt, go to liferunners.org, sign up to be the newest Life Runner in the world, order your jersey, 
comes in collared, you know, polo, long sleeve, whatever, get a jacket. A lot of the religious, we have over 300 priests on our team and, and sisters, they like to wear the jackets uh, that say, remember the unborn. Get that and wear it. Walk out your front door and that allows you to not worry if you're doing enough. If you've got a shirt on or a jacket on that says, remember the unborn, Jeremiah 1.5, you can have faith that you are participating in the end of the greatest evil on the planet, abortion. Let's talk about that for a moment because you even said just people seeing the message on the shirts, right? even that one you got it. little message can change yeah. the decision that somebody I'll reference may make. That. I'll reference that. So again, if you're at a place where you can jot something down or look something up on your smartphone or a computer, go to liferunners.org slash represent. And all the social science about abortion is listed there. And the stat, Ken, that you're alluding to from our dinner last night is that 78% of post-abortion women said that if just one person had encouraged them to choose life, that's all it would have taken for them to not have had an abortion. You know, I think about that, and I think of last Friday, Bernadette and I were staying outside of Carhartt's abortion facility in Bellevue, Nebraska, which is in the neighborhood that we live in, just, you know, 10 minutes from me, five minutes from Bernadette. And we were standing there, and a car came in, and it was uh, um, a gentleman was driving who, you know, I introduced myself, I asked their names, they gave me their names, I, I greeted them good morning, was pleasant with them, and then asked if they were, you know, the parents for the child that they were there to abort. Yep, yep, we're, we're boyfriend, girlfriend. And I share with them the truth that 90% of relationships end after abortion enters into a relationship. And that went against what they thought abortion was going to do for them. They thought the abortion was going to save their relationship, they informed me. So I encouraged them to think of each other and to think of their relationship. And of course, you save the mother, you save the child. Well, you save the, the dad. The dad can also save the mother, save the child. And the mother looked at the dad and said, what do you want to do? And the dad spoke up. He did exactly what St. Joseph would be called to do. Any man that was created by God is, is created to be a provider and a protector. He did exactly what he should have done that moment. And he said, let's not do this. And she said, okay, let's go. Mm. So they pulled into that parking lot and they turned the car around and they left. And that was the only abortion appointment that day. The Carhartt staff called the police. The police came out. Um, they interviewed us and you know, what we were doing, how we were doing it. And they said completely within the law to encourage someone to have the support and resources other than abortion. And the police pulled away. And so God went, you know, one for one with people choosing him mm. because that's what they did they chose truth they chose love real love and when you choose truth and love you choose god so yes you know being out there and doing something wearing a shirt that says remember the unborn back to the stat you asked me about that's something right on the front line but you could be in a grocery store and in the grocery store you might not realize it but you might be the front line for a mother in crisis she might be you know, discerning whether she's gonna set up an appointment that day. And she might be standing literally behind you with a shirt that says, remember the unborn. And she said that that would have been enough, a person or a sign that encouraged her to choose life. And it's hard to believe until you think about all the signs that, they, that we do see in our culture. 
and they're not encouraging mothers to choose life. They're the opposite. They're saying, you don't have to do this. You shouldn't do this. It's going to ruin your life. They're hearing all the opposite messaging. And we also need to remember that 64% of abortions are coursed. And when you drill down on what coercion means to a post-abortion women, half of that coercion they identify as silence. And silence is consent, which the story I told last night of the young couple from Mizzou, um, Columbia, uh, University of Missouri, drove down to Jeff City, Missouri to a pregnancy help center. They saw their ultrasound. Remember, 64% to 90% of mothers that see their ultrasound choose life, but 10 to 36% don't. So this young college couple decided to continue on for their abortion appointment in Overland Park, Kansas. They showed up there, and they're sitting there moments away from their abortion, and he spoke up by way of a text message to his girlfriend sitting next to him and wrote, I don't want to abort our child. They had just driven across the state of Missouri. She wrote back, I never did want to. So that means she had interpreted his silence as consent. Mm -hmm. And that baby almost died because the man close to her did not provide and protect and take responsibility. So praise God. Men, if you're listening in, boys that want to be men, you want to be a real man, the most manly thing you can do is to provide and protect God's greatest gift, which is our very lives. And the least manly thing that men you could do, the least manly thing, is to drive someone to end the life of your child, your grandchild, your sister's child, to end the life of a child. That's the least manly thing that you could do in God's eyes. Mm. Pat Castle is with us, and also Bernadette from uh, the Life Runners. Uh, this, uh, of course, Pat, Dr. Pat Castle, the founder of Life Runners, the largest pro-life team in the world, and doing a lot of great things. And Bernadette, I'm going to ask you, what got you interested? How did your interest start with Life Runners? Where did that all come from? Um, I signed up for 40 Days for Life um, on the sidewalk at um, Carhartt Abortion Facility. The first day I ever went to that facility, Pat had a talk about Padre Pio, and I kept being interested, wanting to learn more about Padre Pio, so I was invited to that. I went to his talk right after being on the sidewalk, and um, after his talk, I was all in. I wanted to be a part of that and to, to um, contribute to fight the fight to end abortion. Mm. Yeah. yeah, amen. Yeah. N- nice segue in highlighting St. Pio. And, you know, I, I, when you're given the trivia question about mentioning saints like Mother Teresa and St. John Paul II and St. Padre Pio, I said that maybe in this hour we get back to that sex wound. And so to give, you know, the thing you're going to hear about right now, listeners, is stuff you're going to hear on no other radio station. And if you're Catholic, even if you have a devotion to Padre Pio, there's a very good chance you'll have never heard the story I'm about to tell about Padre Pio. So, Ken, the story, you kind of raised your eyebrows as well. The story you may have never heard about Padre Pio. I don't think I have. Yeah, about the sixth moon. And it is a great story. And if you are wondering, hey, should I support Catholic Radio? I just want to let you know that whatever, it's five bucks, 50 bucks, 500 bucks, 5,000 bucks. What you're contributing to is so the world can hear the truth. 
And as one of the board members for Life Runners, Bishop Joe Coffey, the auxiliary bishop to the military archdiocese. So he's the bishop for all the VA hospitals across the country, uh, for all services. When he hears these mystical stories about Padre Pio or the own miracles in your own life, uh, Bishop Joe Coffey likes to say, well, these things happen. They do happen, but you don't hear them in the news. You're not going to hear them on the other radio stations. You're not going to read about them in the newspaper. So these things happen. And the only way for the neighborhood, the world, the state of Kansas, and ripple forward in social media when you post something you heard on Catholic radio for someone around the globe in Fiji to hear is here in places like this. So if you want the truth proclaimed and to hear what God's glory really looks like, to know that the Acts of the Apostles are happening now, and they were actually called to not be sort of like, to be just like the Acts of the Apostles when we hear the story. That's us today. So if you want to reevaluate and we all do a self-reflection, are we being the Acts of the Apostles? Where we hear the words to encourage us to paint the picture of what that means, to put on a shirt that says, remember the unborn, and as Ken highlighted, it matters. 78% of post-abortion ladies said that seeing a person in a shirt that says, remember the unborn, would have saved their child's life. You're only going to hear about that here. So for example, did you know that Padre Pio didn't have just the five wounds of Christ, he had the six, wound, six wounds of Christ. And that sixth wound, as we mentioned in the front of the hour, is the wound that Christ had across his shoulder from carrying the cross. And when Padre Pio was alive, there was only two people that knew about the wound other than Padre Pio. Did you know that one of the persons that knew about it was St. John Paul II? that as a bishop visited Padre Pio, heard about this miraculous you know, monk priest, to travel to him, went to confession with him, and asked him to pray for the healing of a friend of his, a dear friend that had cancer. Did you know that that prayer request of Padre Pio was one of the two confirmed miracles the Pope was able to use his own personal experience, talk about a short, quick line for one of the miracles up the bureaucracy of the church. He's like, yep, I was there. <laughs> We've got one. Did you know that in that confessional is when Padre Pio told St. John Paul II about his sixth wound? And he shared with him that it was his most painful wound. And isn't it interesting that someone like St. John Paul II that he did have a need to know, that someday, in 2005, he would be canonizing Padre Pio. He had a need to know. God knew he had a need to know. Oh, how about the second person? Who's the second person other than Pio to know about a six wound? The monk that did his laundry. The monk that did his laundry asked Padre Pio about his shirt that had a consistent large, bloody stain across the shoulders. He asked Padre Pio about this wound, and Padre Pio told him it was his most painful wound because it would be torn open each day he took his shirt off. So it was the largest wound, and the most holy thing about this story is think about Padre Pio carrying his cross with only two other people even knowing about it and offering that wound up didn't flaunt it, didn't show it. Remember how he'd cover up his hands? Mm -hmm. He didn't do it for show off. 
to us. He did it out of obedience to God. And oh, how did he get those wounds if you studied Padre Pio? Because he asked to take on the suffering of the world. He asked to take on our suffering to help heal us. And he built a hospital that he named a place for the relief of suffering. So he very much embodied what Christ did for us and go on the cross and emulated that in a physical way. So we pick up our crosses and are you willing to pick up a four ounce t-shirt that has a cross on the front and carry it? And you're only gonna hear stories like this and be encouraged like this on Catholic Radio. Please support this radio station. Yeah, with St. Pio, a lot of times people say, so why is he your patron saint? And, and the obvious thing, if, if folks have been with us this hour, they're like, oh, well, the founder of Life Runners Apostolate had an encounter with them. So why not, you know, a saint that got my attention? What I realized many years later, 2017, I led a group of 10 Life Runners to do a walking and running pilgrimage from Pietrocina, Italy, Pio's birth town, to San Giovanni Rotundo, his ministry town, 82 miles. And finishing, so I had my daughter Paige, Bishop Joe Coffey was with, and then seven other life runners. When we finished that pilgrimage, and we stood in front of his monastery, looking at that hospital that he built, a state-of-the-art hospital for the relief of suffering, it dawned on me, this is in 2017, life runners started in 2008. So here we are nine years later, nine years before I knew why Pio was our patron saint. And it wasn't because I met him on the top of a mountain. Mm. It was because Pio is a healer. Pio, why do we need a healer as a patron saint for the largest pro-life team in the world? Because one in three women in our country have had an abortion. And when an abortion happens in a woman's life, it's like a grenade has just gone off and they fell on it. And there's shrapnel and there's pain and there's wounds. And so the chances of someone listening right now that is post-abortion, the chances of that person having told no one about this, the chances that there could be a marriage where a spouse has never told their spouse that they're post-abortion, those chances are actually pretty high. The chances that someone in your own family has had an abortion. Five years ago, so five years ago, that puts it 2015, Life Runners was born in 2008, my oldest brother, who's a life runner, said, Pat, I drove my girlfriend to an abortion facility in Sioux Falls, South Dakota when I was 22 years old. And I've never told, told anyone mm. about it. This is my, my own immediate family. There's a lot of post-abortion people on Life Runner's team because they find it redemptive. They find it redemptive to put on a jersey that says, remember the unborn in memory of their aborted child. And also to help prevent that pain in someone else's life. Mm. So if you are post-abortion, I invite you to be a life runner. I invite you to go and make it redemptive, to have redemptive suffering and carrying that little cross that we carry around the world to make that sacrifice, that little sacrifice. And if we need a little uh this morning, let us reflect, because we can talk about this on Catholic Radio. Let us remember those Coptic Christians that in 2015, 21 of them were beheaded along the Mediterranean in Libya, if you remember the story. And the part I like about sharing are insights, insights that you might not have caught in the news. They knew that they were Coptic because the Coptic Christians, they were from Egypt, they were construction workers. They had a cross tattooed on their wrists in a Muslim country 
we're talking about wearing a shirt with a cross on it and one where people are going to say in a Christian country, oh, what's so-and-so going to say? These folks had crosses tattooed on their wrists working in a Muslim country where they could be killed, and they were. Oh, wait, there's more to the story. The number 21 person, the last person in the line, didn't have a cross tattooed on his wrist. This is on videotape, so they can hear the response of each of the people. And they also treat him as a martyr. Why? Because this is what he said when they got to him after hearing 20 of his coworkers beheaded. He said when they got to him and they gave him the chance to denounce Christ. Remember, he's not even likely not even a Christian. He said the following, their God is my God. And they beheaded him. So let us remember that there are really people on the planet that are really martyrs. Oh, one last thing for Catholic Radio this morning. In the last hundred years, there's been more martyrs to the faith than the previous 1900 mm -hmm. years combined. And people might be going, really? Yeah, really. Let us remember Syria, Rwanda, Afghanistan, Iraq, Egypt, those people were slaughtered for their faith, mm -hmm. if you know your history and your near history. Let us pick up our cross and put on a bold blue shirt with a cross on the front and says, remember I am born. Go to liferunners.org, join the team, support Catholic Radio. This is the only place you're going to hear about such apostolates. Thank you so much for coming in. Pat, great to meet you. Great to have you in. Bernadette, thank you for coming in as well. And we appreciate your time today. To become a member of Life Runners or to read more about this ministry, go to liferunners.org. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 101.7 KJDM Salina, 88.1 KVDM Hayes, and 88.1 KRTT Great Band. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. One body, one voice.